Champion League. I'm your host, Coach Penn, along with the world's greatest co-host, Professor Haas. Today's guest was one of the best defenders in NFL history. Please allow me to introduce you to an official member of ASAP Elite's No Fly Zone from Louisville, Kentucky, Coach Chris Dishman. How you doing, Coach? Good. Thank you guys for having me. My pleasure being on here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, hey, let's get let's get into it. Uh, first off, can you do us the honor of introducing yourself to our audience and explaining how you were introduced to football through the time that you decided to hang up the cleats? Uh, well, yes. I, like you said, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm, um, I'm the youngest of five, uh, five uh, kids. My oldest brother, uh, Bill and Colin, was elite athletes. They played football, basketball, and baseball, and I was just trying to follow in their footsteps. Unfortunately for me, I kept growing, and they did, and, and they stopped. My uh, granddad was a jockey. My granddad was 4'11". I uh, grew up horses and loving horses and that's all uh, when I first was born and when I was young I thought I was going to be a jockey but I kept going so I read out of my, my high school dream I mean my childhood dream was to be a jockey wow. so I my childhood dream so <laughs> so I so I got into sports into football and basketball and baseball oh, I didn't play baseball football and basketball and track those are the three sports I did um you know, I always loved the game of football, uh, uh, even though I played receiver. I, always had, I guess I always had a defensive mentality because I used to like uh, the guys of Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes, you know, Mel Blunt. I used to like to watch those guys play and hit and stuff like that. But I played receiver in high school. I played back. Got to uh, Purdue University the first day of the team meeting. Mm -hmm. I had your first team in. They used to say, offense, stay here, defense, another room. And I kept hearing my coach, Ron Mims, at the time, our defense back coach, kept saying, Dishman, Dishman. And me, being me, I'm thinking, okay, there's another Dishman in the room because I'm a receiver. <laughs> I'm not a defensive back, you know? So uh, then he came up and said, Don't you hear me calling your name? I said, Coach, I'm a receiver. He said, You're a defensive back now. Come on. Oh. So, Gotta work in mysterious ways, you know. Yeah, I um went over there and it was one seat left, and it was next to uh, I think Rod Wilson was on you guys' uh, podcast before. Oh, right. <laughs> the, uh, one seat left, I sit by a uh, Rod Wilson. So, so go go thank it, huh? And uh, he saw the worry and the frustration in my face and voice, and he's like, "Man, I, you know, don't worry about it. You be you be good at this. I I I, I help you out." So, um. Him and I became good friends that day, and, uh -huh. and got as much as possible because he played. Uh, he was he was just all world and everything, but he um, taught me some things and stuff like that. And Coach Mims was such a good coach, and off I went. Did my years at Purdue, then on to um, I met a coach named Nick Saban there when I got drafted by the Houston Oilers, and he gave me a solid foundation. I tell guys all the time, I'm just so blessed. To have such great coaches from Ron Mims to Coach Saban to Rod Perry to Pat Thomas to Tom Bettis to uh, you know so many great coaches in my future. I mean, in my life, it was crazy. So the only thing I'm doing today is teaching young men what I've been taught. Understood. Uh, first of all, 
That secondary was crazy. <laughs> was <Absolutely>. crazy. <laughs> yes, sir. You had a shutdown on, on, on the left and the right. Oh, yeah. Complete shutdown. Yeah, that, well, that's one thing with, with Rod. You know, Rod started off as a safety. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to tell this story about him. He, he started off as a safety, but he was so fast that every time a play action passed, he was up by the line of scrimmage. Oh. So he had to move him. <laughs> He had to move in the corner and just tell him, hey, you just go play corner and cover that guy over there. You know, his instincts, he was like, always flying up the line of scrimmage. And he wasn't too good of a safety in the play action pass department. He was always flying up to the line of scrimmage. But then he became a good corner. And, you know, Rod is just a, a good athlete. He's the only guy. I, That's a good dude overall, man. Yeah. yeah he is. He's the only guy I know that knocked out every hurdle and still won the race. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so. You know, one of the things that I, that I that I um, that I noticed, uh, you are probably the first guest that we've had that didn't talk about baseball being one of their loves growing up. You know, you said that that was the one sport that you didn't play, but then you you, you threw a a, a little uh, hitch in there because you said that really your dream was to be a jockey. That's right. the Derby thing. That's the yeah, well, been, from, been from Louisville, you know. Like I said, my granddad was a jockey. Right. I have uncles who have trained horses and been around horses up in Lexington, Kentucky and New Zion area. Um, I just, like I said, I've just always loved horses, you know, and not, not only quarter horses, but thoroughbreds. Okay. So just being around it is always my first love. Of, of, that's what I thought I was going to be. But when you get six feet, you can't be a jockey. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have started the GOAT Foundation. Yes. Which is based on education through educating the importance of sports. So can you let our audience in on what you got going there? Well, the, the goat skills um, started with you know um, I was there one day and I said, okay, let's have a specialty camp. Let's have a camp where guys like uh, Deion Sanders, Rod Woodson, and Daryl Green and myself can teach the young guys, uh, a young man today, of how to play the defensive back position. You know. We've done that, and so we had a camp there in Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, COVID and everything else from past years, years have keeping us from having another camp, but it was more stored off as a specialty camp. But it's also teaching, teaching people through sports lifestyles. Mm -hmm. You know, we not only just taught them defensive back drills and stuff like that, we talked to them afterwards and taught them lifestyles and, and talked to them about being on time. You know, as you and I was talking yesterday that I'd rather go out and if I'm own a business, I'm going to go out and hire a person who plays sports. Because in sports, you always have to be on time. Yes, you sir. always have to be um, on time. You have to have integrity. You have to be accountable. You have to be dependable. Because that person next to you is dependent on you. That's you right. Um, my first year out of the league in 2000, when I retired in 2000, um, I had a person who was cleaning my pool. He told me he was gonna come on a Monday. He didn't show up to Wednesday, so I had to fire him. Oh, yeah. Because I oh, was yeah. always thought, if you tell a person you're gonna do something on a Monday mm -hmm. at a certain time, mm -hmm. you have to be there on Monday at 12 o'clock, not Wednesday at two, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> so and, and I was saying, if the world run like sports of being on time, being dependable, being trustworthy, then the world be a lot better place. But when you have people say that, oh, I'm going to have to say I'm going to be here at nine o'clock and they're not and don't call or text or do anything like that, 
Yeah. That shows that you're not dependable. And I know things happen. Like today, some stuff happened with me. I had to call you and tell you that I was running late. But oh, yeah. oh, that's, yeah. that's just the courtesy of respect of each other's time. Yes, sir. I mean, as a veteran, uh, you know, punctuality can be in life or death. You know, but in business, it can also tell you a lot about people, especially with the first impression type of deal and how they value their work ethics and values. So I totally agree with you there. You know, one thing you said earlier that I that uh, that I really want to 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 point out because um, we also this is another theme that I'm seeing with with our uh, athletes is coming in. You 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 played receiver. You went to Purdue thinking, "Hey, I'm going to be this receiver." And you probably had all these dreams about what you were oh, going to yeah. be as a receiver, mm -hmm. and then they changed your position. Now. Um, that and, and it actually was a was a blessing for you because you had a phenomenal career at Purdue, then went on to the NFL and had a phenomenal career in in the NFL. And so the thing is, is I know that um, a lot of times there are uh, athletes that that truthfully their career is pretty much over because of their actual attitude or mentality after they've been switched to a new position. So talk about the mental change and just the acceptance of changing a position because a coach felt like this might be the best fit for you. Well, I gotta, um, I'm gonna say this story quick. First of all, it wasn't a transfer, transfer portal back today in those days. So you couldn't get in, couldn't put yourself in a transfer portal or nothing like that, okay? The story is um, I did have a short baseball career. I played one season. I never got in a game, but at the third, at the third game, I wanted to quit. My dad said, "You're not quitting." Right. At the sixth game, I wanted to quit. My dad said, "You're not quitting." After the season, I said, "I'm going to quit." My dad said, "You can quit because you went through the whole season." Right. So now, as I was got transfer, as I was at Purdue, I called home. There wasn't no cell phone back then, so he had to pick up a landline and call home. I called home. Now, granted, my dad passed away in September. Uh, granted, in his lifetime, he probably answered the phone probably about 10 times in his whole lifetime. Um, I called home and said, Dad, I want to transfer to Michigan because they got me playing this defensive back stuff. Go blue. My dad said, okay, okay. Um, you'll be all right. And I click, and you hear this bad. And I'm like, hold on, something <laughs> must have happened. <laughs> I said, something must have happened, so let me call back. So I'll call back. Then my mom answered, being the supportive wife she she uh, she was. She's called back and said, I said, Mom, uh, did Dad tell you that they want to switch me to this receiver stuff? And I, I want to get out of here. I want to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Then my mom said, Yeah, he told me, but he said you'll be okay. And when we when we get some money, we come up there and give you and bring you a care package and all that stuff. And I'm like, hold on, they're not really listening to me. My right. life is my <laughs> life is going to trouble. And they're telling me about some kind of care package. I'm telling them I want to come home. Yeah. I go and switch schools, and they tell me, "Hey, when we get some money, you can give me a care package." So it was, it was a lifelong lesson of sticking stuff out. You may not. Sometimes you got to go through tough times to get to where you really want to get to. You know, and, and I'm glad I did stick it out because if I probably transferred and probably played receiver and probably wouldn't have been where I am at today. So it's a life lesson of getting hung up on. By your dad. At the same time, you would have been a Wolverine, man. So who knows? It was turned <laughs> out the same way. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you a question. You know, with us being ball players, football players, uh, you know, specifically, 
It takes a specific type of work ethic and values that you must put in in order to become successful on all platforms. You know, when it comes to punctuality, discipline, communication, and everything that goes with that. Uh, what and how did everything that you put into being a incredible football player on the highest level help you uh, ethic and value-wise outside of football when you decide to hang the cleats up? The work ethic, the yes, getting up at 5.30 in the morning when it's dark, dragging yourself out of bed when you're sore, of probably being one or two the only person in the gym, yeah. running the hills when you know that you can quit and nobody else would know. Mm. And keep running those hills and keep doing those workouts, keep lifting those weights and keep backpedaling sure. and keep working on your footwork. It's stuff like that that athletes put their body through. And sometimes you can go six days a week and your body is sore, but you know that seventh day that you have to get out on that Sunday and do some type of jogging, do some type of walking, do some type of cardio or something, just to keep yourself going. Mm -hmm. And it's pushing yourself to a limit where it's okay to feel like you're about to uh, throw up. It's okay to feel that you're sore, but it's, it's okay that it's to push yourself through the soreness and mentally, uh, when you want to quit, it's telling yourself that, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go at least 10 more minutes. I'm going to go at least five more minutes. I'm going to go three more laps or something like that. You know, it's just, it's just a mentality that you have to be. Because everyone talk about it. Everyone always talk about, I want to be the greatest. Mm -hmm. I tell everyone all the time, what is the greatest? Right. Who has the flat tool of saying the greatest? Right. You know, because you could say, oh, Muhammad Ali was the greatest. Well, it's probably more, it's probably Muhammad at, at his time was the greatest, but it's probably mm -hmm. more boxers up is going to come up and probably want to be the greatest. Who's the greatest basketball player? Someone say Michael Jordan, someone say LeBron, someone say Kobe, someone say Bill Russell. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody mm -hmm. is some, and the greatest is in their era. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. who is the greatest? No one can never know who's the greatest is, but do you work out to be the greatest? Or do you work out to say that you want to be the greatest? Because I see a lot of people talking about I'm grinding, I'm working out, but yet still, I, I'm, it seems to amaze me that how can you grind and work out and still video yourself, video yourself working out? Yes. <laughs> I don't think you can do both. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So sometimes when you grind and work out, it's not caught on tape. It's not caught on film. It's not caught on your video. It's you versus the waste. It's you versus your mind. And right. If you can beat your mind, then I think you can beat everybody else. And it's just the mentality you have to have is beat yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hearing that, I, I'm one, thank you for saying that. Because, you know, in this era of YouTube, Instagram, and all this, you know, a lot of time the, these kids, all they see, you know, growing up watching you, all I saw was what was was the flat pass deflections, the interceptions, the picks. You know, those are the things that that we see as as fans, right, or uh, spectators, if you will. And one thing that they don't understand is what goes in to be able to do that on Sundays or on or in any sport, right? You know, when you sit there and watch LeBron, they talk about how he spends a million dollars on his body. 
you know, so when you talk about those different things and, and all that goes in it so that he can hit that shot so that you, you can, you know, right. get that pick six. I think that's where it gets lost because um, they, they look at the highlights and don't see the journey, right? Because that highlight is literally one tenth of what you had to do to get to that highlight. And, and, and I think that, that the today's athlete and athletes, a lot of times in general, don't get that part. In, in addition to that, not only, you know, doing what he had to do to become a great NFL quarterback, but let's go back to college. You know, right. coming from being a receiver and then going to corner, offense to defense, it's an entirely different thought process. You know, you have to train your body now to be a de uh, defensive back. So, yeah, it took a specific amount of discipline and work ethic that you're talking about. So, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. It's just the grit and the grind. You got to love the grit and the grind. Everyone loves accolades. Everyone loves to be pat on the back, stuff like that. But the grit and the grind, if you don't love the grit and the grind, you're never going to get the pat on the back. You're never going to get the accolade. You know what I'm saying? So and it's all about, like I said, loving the grit and the grind and being, and being the best you that you possibly can be. You know, no matter if you're best brother, husband, son, be that best, be that best, and then everything else will work off. But on the court and off the court, on the field and off the field, it, it goes hands in hand. If you're a mess off the field, you're a mess on the field. <laughs> it's, it's, that's how it is. You know, it goes hand in hand. So you got to be able to um, balance uh, both worlds. You know, today's like today, back then, it's like you couldn't, like today's uh, athlete, you, it's too much social media out there. There's so much out there. The least little thing is, is, is can get from, from east to west coast in a matter of seconds. Right. You know? right. And so you have to be careful of the things you do and the things you say. Now, you could believe in something, but it don't mean that because you believe in it, don't mean you have to post it. You know, uh, because you believe it, don't mean you have to say it. Some things is best to be unsaid. So everyone want to be this uh, social media guru, but be the guru at your sport. Be the guru at your, at your whatever sport or your life or your living or, or your job or whatever. Be that guru. You know, sports, we don't, we don't work around a nine to five job. If you go, if you try to do sports at the nine to five job, then you're going to be, you're going to be working at a nine to five job. <laughs> it's not nine to five. Sometimes it can be from 5.30 a.m. to eight o'clock at night. It depends. And you have to have a very supportive cast. And I was very fortunate to have a very supportive cast around me uh, when I played. You know what I'm saying? My brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, they've always been supportive of me. I remember my dad taking me from um, football practice, taking me to track practice, waiting on me after track practice, then bring me back down to the West End in, in, from Louisville, Kentucky. You know, I went to DeSales High School there in Louisville, Kentucky. And I had to get on two buses to get to that school, two public buses. And if I missed that second public bus, I was late for school. So therefore, I knew I had to catch the, the uh, I had to get myself up at five, had to be out the house by 5.45, get on that bus from 40 from Broadway, get the third in Broadway and catch the other bus out to Kenwood. And I, it was just a routine. You know, my brothers went through, I went through it. It's just a routine that I knew that we had to do. There uh, has been an issue or a cause that you have decided to step up 
and put on the forefront. I mean, ever since before time, but mainly was put on center stage when Hank Gathers uh, passed due to heart conditions. Uh, most recently, uh, Keontae Johnson, basketball player from University of Florida, you know, uh, he had two episodes where he had collapsed, you know, uh, due to heart issues. A part of safebeat.org, I'm sorry, where you yeah. guys specialize in cardiology and, you know, uh, and function of the heart, you know, to athletes, per se. Yes, sir. So, yeah. uh, so, uh, what's wrong with there? I think it's a great safety.org is, is formed to give uh, guys uh, testing of the testing of your heart, make sure you, you're able to play sports. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times in young athletes, we just go out there and play, and no one ever, no one never know if they had a heart murmur yeah. or nothing like that. One of my um, closest friends of, of me, when uh, like a brother to me, because our families were so close, is Rod McCravey. He went to the University of Kentucky. He died his freshman year there at the University of Kentucky. He went off the track practice, went to track, came home, laid in his bed, and uh, uh, pa uh, passed away. At that time, no one even knew he had a heart murmur. Nothing was he was he was never tested for it or nothing like that. But he went through four years of high school, running track, playing sports, being very active. But now. Boom, he come back from track practice there at the University of Kentucky. And now he, he, he's, he, he died right there in his bed. And they have uh, the Rob McCravey um, track meet every year in his honor. You know, it's stuff like that. And that's what pushed, you, and that's what pushed me to uh, seek out an organization like safebeat.org in his honor. Because he, like I said, he was so close to uh, where like my mom and her mom, my mom and his mom call each other every day. Every day at 5.30, mm -hmm. they talk. And I'm talking about it's been going on for at least 30 years or more. <laughs> so, uh, so it's just something like that that pushed me to find an organization like that to be able to be more part of it and get the, get the awareness out there. Because if you're not aware, you never do. And unfortunately, as um, minorities, we don't get a chance to get to the doctor. We don't get a chance to get to... Get to um, to get our heart checked and that's what this organization do we go into the inner cities we go into the cities where you don't want if you don't have the money that we can do it for you right 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 now my neighborhood was impacted the same way you know with one of my close friends with uh he fell victim you know to uh the heart murmur situation mm -hmm. so uh like i said that touched me personally yes sir yeah so but we, we just have to keep getting our guys to get tested you know, of going to the doctor. It's okay to go to the doctor. It's okay to say, hey, I'm a little overweight. I can do something. And I, I'm working with another organization called Change Your Numbers. Mm -hmm. And Change Your Numbers is to, is change your health. It's changing your, um, your numbers can be if it's your diabetes, if it's your cholesterol, if it's your weight, whatever that number is, if you want to change, is get out and try to show them the best way of, the, the best way to eat. The proper way of working out and stuff like that. It's just getting, it's changing your numbers. Change the number that you want to change. Now, unfortunately, yeah. you can't change your age, but everything yeah. else can change. <laughs> okay, I, look, that's that's what I was waiting for you to say next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I had a question. Uh, it, this is uh, for myself and my other coaches and people that are looking to join the coaches realm a uh, post career. Uh, from what was the biggest transition 
from being on the field to then going on the sideline or in the booth, uh, looking at the game from that perspective. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Pieces changed then, you know? Yeah, that's, that was that was a huge transition. Unfortunately, yes, for me, when I retired in 2000, I didn't get right into coaching. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have the patience to get into coaching. Coaching, you got to be very patient. You got to have a lot of, you got to have, a, you got to have this patience because you got to deal with so many different attitudes and so many different personalities, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, I retired in 2000. I didn't start coaching in 2000, really 2005. My first coaching job was Berlin Thunder in NFL Europe, mm-hmm. you know? And the, re- and the reason how I got into coaching is I started training guys in 04 mm-hmm. and I saw the techniques slipping away from defensive backs and one guy one defensive back told me yeah he, my coach my college coach told me the back pedal is really overrated well i don't know if you know like that but what? to play db you have to back pedal right you know? i was say how how, how how did he get past that i don't i don't know but see huh? and then that's where that all that you see now guys are coming into the line of scrimmage and they're just turning and running turning and running uh-huh. that's where all that crap started creeping in and playing defensive back but I started uh, training guys in 04. I got my first coaching job with the Berlin Thunder in NFL Europe uh, there. And then I fell in love with coaching. And ever since then, I fell in love with coaching. I just love the competitive of it. I love the teaching. I like to see a guy improve each and every day of telling him something one thing, one time, one day, and having him get into the next day. It's just the joy of, of that, of seeing that, you know. And being able to pull the potential out of the Potential out of you know, and I am, and I tell, and here's, and I tell my guys all the time, I'm a high demanding person. I know I am. And I know at times you're going to get mad. You may be frustrated. You want, may want to quit. But if you can deal with me being high demanding, then you can deal with that fourth quarter when it's third and eight and you know the ball's coming your way and you can make that play. That's right. Now, the biggest gratification that I receive from it is the impact that you can have on someone. It can be life altering for a player. That's right. You know, and once you actually see the work and the investment that you put in a player, you know, and he begins to flourish outside of the sport, there's no other feeling like it. Right. And as, as coaches, you, you can't be just a football coach. No, sir. You have to wear, have so many different hats. Mm-hmm. You have, one day you may have to be a mentor. One day you may have to be a dad. One day you may have to be a friend. Mm-hmm. One day you have to be a coach and tell them the truth. And tell them that yeah, here's what you're doing wrong, and here's what you're doing right. And some days you may have to be a mentor and just listen. Yes, sir. You know, so it's so many different hats as a coach, coach that you have to wear. And our young men need uh, more positive coaches. You know, more coaches who's gone to be there for them. Yes, like sir. now, yes, I still uh, like my NFL Europe guys and Berlin Thunder guys and guys I coached at Baylor and XFL. We, you know, we still have these group chat with group chats where every now we're still group chatting with each other, you know, so it, it's fun to do this. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing about it is I used to always say, that, you know, being a coach, you have, you know, you have to, uh, you have to be an M&M, right? Yeah. You have to be a mentor and a motivator. And and the, you you do those two things as, as a coach. And, and that's where you really start to change the life of the athlete that you're working with. And so uh, I, I like you, I, I fell in love with that part of it, that being able to have someone who, you know, didn't honestly, sometimes they didn't think that they could do this. 
uh, you know, and, and then they, they trust in you and they get to that level or surpass it. And now it, it's changed their whole life, right? And, you know, right. More, more than just on the field, you know, even, you know, in the classroom and, and just, you know, in life situations. So that, that, that's an amazing thing. Right. As you guys know, you can, you can think of all your great coaches. Mm-hmm. You can think of all your bad coaches, too. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But your coaches that you keep in contact with, those are the coaches who tell you the truth. They tell you the truth when you're messing up and they, and they, and they put their hands around you and love you when you're doing good. But, and that's the only thing I tell a player, I'm never gonna lie to you. Good, bad, or indifferent, I'm never gonna lie to you. I'm gonna tell you exactly what I say. Man, it's up for you to take the information. That's right. But granted, there's no, there's no motive behind it. My motive is to get you better as a person, as a player, as an individual. I have no motive. And I tell them, I don't feed my family off of you. I'm not gonna feed my family off your back. My family is already fed. So I don't need to feed my family up for you. And unfortunately, we may have some coaches out there that looking at a kid that, oh, I can get this, I can do this, I can do that, I can move up. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong way to look at it. Let him have his dream and live your live his dream for him. Yeah, and, and one other thing I want to say real quick is that coaches that are listening to this, it is about the kid. When it stops being about the kid, you're not really coaching anymore. No, it's about the kid or about Always. an athlete, whether it's a kid or the adult. Goat skills. Can you be the greatest of all time? Football, basketball, track and field? We can help you become the greatest version of yourself. To become the best you, you must be trained by and with the best. Downloadable workouts. Get trained by the best and don't forget to wear the gear. Goatskills.com where the best get started to finish on top. The question of the day. Huh? All right, I, I, man, I'm, I've really been looking forward to, the, to asking you this question. So when we consider everything that's going on in the last year, right? We're talking about the pandemic to all of the situations with racial injustice. How do you feel that both of those situations has impacted the sports, sports as a whole, not just football, you know, but sports in, in its in totality? Uh, people stop caring about each other. You don't have that person in the arena or in the stadium where they care about, let's say, the Houston Texans or Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You may have a, a Spanish, you have a white and have a black person, but they care about the Bucks. They have one thing in common, is that sports team. When you took the fans out of the stadium, and I know with COVID you had to, it got to everybody as an individual, blacks, white, uh, Hispanic over here, group over here, group over there. No one really came together and, and cared about one entity, you know? And I think that when COVID, when we can get the people back in the stand, I think of people caring about at least one thing, coming together at least one day out of the week and caring about one thing instead of seven days out of the week, not caring about nothing but but themselves. I think it would be much better. You know, it's just the the world now is is so much in turmoil. You know, where everyone's have a special group and this and that and 
you know, it's uh, the killing of a young black man. It's, it's, it's crazy that the world's getting like this, you know, but I think as, as, a, as, as a sports, as sports, if we can bring the world back, we can bring them back with caring at least about this, and then we can see each other differences in, in other ways. You got to respect each other differences, you know, but I think the respect has gone away. And as individuals, godly people, we have to get the respect back for each and everybody else. You know, for a person to have no remorse to kneel on a guy for that long and, don't, and feel the life coming out of him, but no expression. And that tells you that the world is getting cold and the yeah. world should yeah. get cold yeah. because we're all God's people. For sure, for sure. So how do you think sports moving forward can really help to push that that agenda that you're, that you're talking about. I, I heard you say about cheering for that one cause, no matter what your your race or, or creed is, that that one cause. Is there, are there any other ways that you feel that it can be, uh, that sports can can be a catalyst to change? The, the people that's involved in the sports now, make it, making it change. Uh, your voices like a LeBron James, your voices like a, a you know, um, LeBron, your, your, your Tiger Woods, the guys with bigger voices of making that change, no matter if it's in the basketball world, the football world, you know, you guys um, like uh, Tom Brady's of the world, those elite football players, you know, your elite basketball players, elite baseball players, if they come out and say, okay, this is enough is enough, right. then that's gonna change. But until those guys, and I know some of the guys have come out and said something, which is great. Um, I know LeBron is heavy in, into it, and I see some of his posts, which is great. But until those guys actually speak about it and be about it, then I think that will make the change. But until then, nothing's going to change until you can affect people's pockets. That's right. That's you can affect people's pockets into the sports world. I can guarantee it's going to make a change very quick. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he has some owners who not want their pockets to be affected. That's right. Because um, yeah. well, you have to keep keep it pushing the keep pushing the agenda. Yeah. Yes, sir. Hey, at, at the same time, that is our aim here at ASAP Elite. You know, to educate and to try to do our part to narrow the gap. You know, with it, with the information is less distributed. So everything that uh that you blessed us with today, with your wisdom uh, and through experience, we really appreciate you, brother. Well, thank you, guys. And I hope, hope to be back on soon, all right? Hey. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much, Coach. I'll right. be getting back with you. You, have a, you guys have a great one, all right? Be yes, back. sir. Solid interview, man. Solid. Well, man, I, I, one of the things that I really liked about this interview with, with, with Chris Dishman is the fact that, you know, he, he really dug in and, and talked about the uh, the 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 part of the of the journey mm -hmm. that that our kids don't get to see with professional athletes right you right. you may see you like like I tell my son hey stop watching all those highlights start mm -hmm. looking for you know the 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 grind that they do exactly. like you know what i'm saying i mean they they don't realize if this is a 7 day a week job yeah. like um i know i remember when calvin johnson right when he when he called it quits and people are like, oh man, how does he call it quits? And then he's still in it. And I was just like, well, do you know what that man has to do 
to get ready yeah. for NFL yeah. football season. Man, you know, no the, the, no the thing is, is when he he, he thought about this, mm-hmm. you know, he gave it another year after. Yeah, and so when you're when you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, and and you're and you're dealing, you're getting older, you're having injuries, you realize you okay, I've had an amazing career already. Let's you know, is it is it time to call it quits? Yeah. And and because they don't understand what professional athletes that play at that level, and honestly, and honest, I'd say professional athletes that play at any level, yeah. that there's a lot that goes into it that, that when the cameras are off, that's exactly what he talked about, right? You know, if you're in any generation, in any generation through sports, even the social media generation, it's what they don't see that makes you who you are. That's what they do. Well, it's what you, it's what people don't see that makes you better. Not only on, even on the that's sport, right. That's right. but even that's just right. in, in, in life period, right? That's, it's the thing, what are you going to do when nobody else is there to hold you accountable? Yeah, what you do in the dark will come to light any time, you know, Absolutely. any aspect of life. Uh, yep. But Coach, uh, you know, he's been, he's down there at uh, IMG, you know, changing lives there. We spoke about that. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a different type of high school coaching there opposed to other schools. It's pretty much college prep. Absolutely. You know, uh, so he has to deal with uh, those those guys on a different level, you know, uh, than, uh, you know, a, just a common coach would you know, deal with a regular player. You know, it's so many different personalities and so many different other characteristics that are, you know, that you have to uh, curtail, you get what I'm saying, and bring to light in order to help them become better people. You know, so uh, I just want to tip my hat to him, man, for the work that he's been doing. Thank you so much, Mr. Dishman. Look forward to talking to you again. Absolutely. All right, Professor Haas, here we go. Another one out the park. Yes, sir. See you next week.